0: I am so excited about our message for today. We're continuing our series, The Parables of Jesus. A parable is an illustration, a story that Jesus used that he told to illustrate a deeper spiritual meaning, to help us understand something of his kingdom. And today, I believe we're going to talk about one that's so relevant for the season you might be finding yourself in personally, but also the one that we find ourselves in as a church. Before we continue, let's pray. Jesus, thank you. That Through your word, through this message today, that we can come with an expectation to, to hear something that you have in mind for us. I pray that you would speak to each one personally, that we would walk out of this building, that we would walk away from, from watching this online message in a different way than the way we walked in. May your word change us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here where we are in Cape Town. It's a season change, we went from winter, we just had a cold front, some of the most snow that I've ever seen just outside of Cape Town, our our mountains outside of Cape Town was as white as snow, Um, I think God is preparing us for winter in in the market, Um, but now we're in spring, the 1st of September is spring day in South Africa, you guys are heading into fall. For us in our personal lives, a season ended with having one child. A new season started with having two children. A season with Prodeo Church ended at the end of August when we had our farewell, and a new season um, with Grace Church starts. And this is the beautiful thing about seasons: whenever seasons change, it gives us the opportunity to reevaluate where we were at and to then re establish our priorities, decide what's going to be important, what are we going to pay attention to. In, in our houses, we even have a term for it. We call it spring cleaning, right? It means that during winter, we, we cleaned everything kind of on the surface, but now it's time to really dig a little deeper to move everything out of the way and say like, what do I need to clean that I haven't cleaned in a long time? What do I need to move around? What do I need to change? And when we are in a season for a very long time, and I'm not just talking about a physical season like spring or summer or fall or winter. But when we're in a season for a long time, a season like COVID, a season, the position that you might be in at work, we tend to settle into habits and opportunities without really evaluating them. We've seen this in churches, both here in South Africa and I'm guessing in Canada, as people during lockdowns couldn't attend church. They got used to just attending online. So we settle into that. It becomes our new habit. It becomes a new norm. And we don't always evaluate it. We don't realize that this might not be God's best for us. And we just settle into it. And for you personally, and for us as a church, it's a new season. Schools just... They just started. It is it is a new school year. Life is slowly returning to normal after COVID. Um, you've got a new senior pastor. There's a whole bunch of things happening. And I want to tell you, I believe that through this message today, God wants us as a church to evaluate, and God wants you as an individual member of His church to evaluate where you are at and to decide what your new priorities in this new season is going to be. So in order to, to hear what God wants to tell us today, we're going to be continuing from the gospel of Luke. And a parable that we're going to be reading today is the parable of the 10 miners. In South Africa, we've got Indian miners. It's a bird, that uh, an, invader, an invader bird that just kind of like chases all the other birds away. Yes. And when we're reading about the 10 miners, it's not 10 birds. I don't know if you've got them that side. The 10 miners are 10 amounts of money. And I'm going to dig a little deeper into that meaning a little later. I want to save it because I think it's really special. But we're going to be reading the parable of the 10 miners. Jesus in Luke just spent some time with a tax collector called Zacchaeus. And then he's about to enter Jerusalem. We know that whole story. Um, If you've ever read the bible or if you've been um, to church over easter of jesus riding into jerusalem on the donkey but before all of this happened we read here that jesus knew that the people were expecting the kingdom of god to arrive immediately so jesus is going to be the king the roman rule the Assyrians of the past all of those people that's ruled over the israelites it's going to be it's going to be no more everything is going to change but Jesus, through this parable, helps him to understand that, no, no, we're actually in the in-between time. Jesus is about to conquer death, about to conquer sin and the devil. But his second coming, we're still waiting for that, when everything will finally change. But this in-between time is not a waste of time. This time that we're living in has a purpose to it, and we've got a role to play in it. So he tells him this beautiful parable in Luke 19, verse 11 to 27. Um, We've been busy in Luke with most of the parables. Luke is not the only um, gospel in the Bible to have parables in them. It just kind of worked out that way. So I decided let's stick to Luke um, and and look at the parables that Luke gave us. So Luke 19 verse 11 to 27. If you've got your Bibles with you, please turn with me to to Luke 19 verse 11. But it will also be on the screen for you so you can follow along. I'm reading from the New International Version, Luke 19, verse 11. While they were listening to this, Jesus went on to tell them a parable. Because it was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. And this is what he said. A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So Jesus is referring to himself. Going away is going to heaven. He's appointed king, and one day he will return, right? So what did he do? He called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minus. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and then he returned home. He sent for his servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came in and said, sir, your miner has earned 10 more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of 10 cities. The second came in and said, sir, your miner has earned five more. His master answered, you take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your miner. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I carefully wrapped it in a piece of cloth and and put it where it's safe. He says, For I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I'm a hard man taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow. Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take his miner away from him and give it to the one who has 10. But sir, they said he already has 10. And he replied, I tell you. That to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. That's all we're going to read. Cool story, right? When we look at this, there's very clearly two groups of people that we read about. Actually three, but there's two big groups. There's the followers of the king called his servants and then there's the, the people who rejected the king. So let's call them the rejectors, the king rejectors. The followers of the king were the people who to whom he could entrust some of his assets, some of the things that were important to him. While the king rejectors were those that he couldn't entrust something to because they wanted to derail his purposes. They didn't care about his kingdom vision. They didn't care about him. All they cared about is themselves themselves what they want for themselves now i want to ask you this who do you relate to most the servants of the king or the rejectors of the king and i thought, i think it's easy for us to say listen i'm for god i go to church i'm not against him i read my bible every now and again uh, so clearly i'm a kingdom servant you know i i must be that because i call myself a christian And it's interesting that we can get so settled into being a Christian, into being a Christian, that we don't always evaluate what that means. It's like wiping the surface clean, but not moving the furniture away to really dig deeper into the little corners where it's dirty. But what I want to tell you today is that in reality, I think most people who call themselves Christian doesn't fall into any of these two groups. I'm not talking about the church in the persecuted world, where it really costs something to follow Jesus, where you will be killed if you are found with a Bible, or where you can be killed for just gathering as a church. Those people, they are in a different ballgame altogether. I know they are the servants of Jesus. But when I think about countries that used to be called Christian countries, South Africa, Canada, the USA, most parts of Europe, I think most people that call themselves Christians, they do not fall, into any of these two groups. In fact, I think they fall into a third group of people, a subgroup of the servants of the king that we read about at, at the end of this parable, closer to the end. And I want to call this third group the in-betweeners. I already used the word in-between, so I like the word in-between. So we're going to call them the in-betweeners. That's the guy who took the money and he put it in a cloth. He, he put it away where it's safe. And then finally, when the king returns, he's like, there's your money back. It's safe. This is probably the easiest person to be, the easiest group to fall into because it takes the least amount of effort. I don't have to be against the king. I don't have to put in work. I can just kind of be. This servant didn't openly rebel. It wasn't like he rejected this nobleman, this king. He cared to a certain extent, he gave just enough about this kingdom vision that he wanted to benefit from it. He wanted to get a minor. He wanted to be called a servant of the king. But when we read the story, we see that his, that his connection, that his kingdom priority didn't go super far. In fact, he didn't even really know the king. Because in verse 21, we read that he says, this king, I know you're a hard man. And when I read the story, I'm like, there's no real evidence of the fact that this king is a hard man. I do read that he's a generous man that, that gives to them. I do read that he's a generous man when, this, when, when the other servants came back and they're like, look what we got. He's like, here's more. I also know that he's a fair man. But I don't read that he's a very hard man that, that wants to take what he has not put in. He, in fact... When we read about this in-betweener, he tells him, it would have been fine if you just put my money in the bank, just on deposit. You didn't even have to do a lot. If you just put it on deposit and did nothing further and it earned some interest, it would have been fine. So his expectation of his followers, of his servant, isn't unrealistic. When Jesus is talking about this man, he's not talking about salvation or condemnation so he's not when we read about the rejecters of the king we read that they are put to death and we know from the rest of the parables of jesus and from what he said that jesus means the people who do not follow him there is no eternal life after this there's an end there's how There's separation from god but for this man we don't read specifically that he's put to death that he's cast out into the fire We kind of just get this idea that his master tells him that he's lived a wasted life. The in-betweener's priorities was not actually so much different to that of the rebels. The rebels cared about themselves. They didn't care about the king's mission. And this in-betweener, his life wasn't shaped. His priorities wasn't shaped by those of the king. His was kind of shaped by himself. So although he might have looked like a servant of the king, he kind of lived a little more like a rebel. And I want to tell you today that a wasted life is not just rejecting Jesus, but a wasted life is also not living his kingdom purpose. This is what the parable is talking, is teaching us. So when I read about this, first, this third servant, the, the in-betweener, I believe that represents those in the church who knows the gospel and who should live it people who grew up in church or who's been to church people who've heard about the bible in fact these might even be people who call themselves christian who actually attend church who talk the talk but their actions show that they are indifferent and unconcerned about jesus and the purposes And the vision that he has for his kingdom. And as a result, they don't use the opportunities, the minas, the time, the talents, the treasure, the family, whatever they might have. They don't use the opportunities that he has given them to further his kingdom. They are living for themselves and making up excuses as to why they're not serving the king. For this man, the excuse was you're a hard man. For us, the excuse might be I don't have time to serve now. No, this is a difficult season for me with COVID. I might give in a different season of my life. I might serve in a different season when my children is is older. Um, I'm on a tight budget right now. I'm kind of happy where I am sitting in the pews. Or you know what? I've served when I was younger, so I'm kind of now resting. We use all kinds of excuses of why we're not using the opportunities that God has given us to expand His kingdom. And this week, I read this quote by Timothy Keller, Where he said, even though the gospel is a set of truths to understand and believe, it cannot remain a set of beliefs if it is truly believed and understood. I was like, whoa. It's like, yes, we need to understand this. Yes, we need to believe it. But if we truly believe, if we truly know the king. If we're truly a follower, a servant of this king, what we know about him, what we believe about him, doesn't just stay a set of beliefs, it turns into action as well. And in this parable, we run into the concept of a stewardship. Stewardship is a beautiful principle that we as Christians need to understand a little better, whether it's, it comes to your work life your occupation, whether it's about your finances, your family, everything. Stewardship is this. And since English is not my first language, every now and again, I will turn to the dictionary for a definition. And it helps to just kind of bring light to it. So I hope this is cool to you as well. But this is the the definition of stewardship. Stewardship, according to the Merriam-Webster dictionary, is the conducting, supervising, or managing of something. And hear this. Especially... The careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. So Christianity being a steward means that that I am careful and responsible in the management of everything that God has entrusted to my care. Now, when I look at the story of the servants, the first thing that I pick up in verse 12 is the king entrusts his money to them. He's not saying go and take your own stuff and do something with it. He's like, I'm going to give you my mina, my mina, and you're going to do something with it. That is stewardship. Stewardship is about realizing that what I have in this life, my breath, my money, my children, my family, my occupation, my influence, opportunities, time, it is not my own. God has given his to me so that I can be a careful and responsible manager of it. In fact, this is not just me saying it, but in Colossians 1 verse 16, we read that everything was created through Jesus, so everything you have came into being through him, through the gifts he's given us, through his purpose and for him, for his purpose. And what's sad to me is that often we work as if we can one day take everything with us. I save, I actually hoard as if I can take it with me. I, I gather stuff in my house and I take care of my car because if anything happens to it, it's the end of the world. But it isn't, guys. We can't take anything with us. In Canada, from what I can understand, you guys don't really have luggage trailers like little ones. In South Africa, we have these six-foot luggage trailers. Small little trailers that when you're going on holiday and you just have too much stuff because your wife packed in five pairs of, of shoes although you're going to the beach and she will only need her flip-flops, you need an extra bit of space. So you hitch this little luggage trailer behind your car and you can load it full of stuff and take it with you on vacation. I always tell people here, you cannot take a luggage trailer to heaven. You cannot take a luggage trailer with you. you guys, at the end of the day, we make life all about us, and as if we can take this with us after this life. Pastors do that with churches. When we planted a church, there is nothing more personal than planting a church. It is like your baby. For so long, we nurtured it, we poured everything we had into it, we gave up security we had as part of a, of a denomination and leading a healthy, grow, fast growing church. We gave all of that up to plant this church. But just two weeks ago, I had to say, this is not mine. In fact, the name Prodeo, that is a Latin phrase that means for God. So when we gave the church a name, we said, this is not for us. This is not Louis' church. This is not Yolandi's church. This is for God that we're doing it. And we had to say, we are willing to let this go for the bigger purpose of God's kingdom to happen on this earth. God has entrusted you with time and talent and treasure and family and opportunities. And we make a mistake if we believe that God doesn't care about how we use our influence. If we think that he doesn't care about how we use our time and our talents. If we think he doesn't care about how we use our money. God cares about it. In verse 15, he sends for the servants. And he's like, I want to find out what they've gained. What have they done with what I entrusted to them? He's like... You're not spoiled trust fund babies that has a whole bunch of money and you can do whatever you want. He's like, no, no, I'm entrusting you with some money and I want you to do something with it. This parable makes it explicit that servants of Jesus are responsible to live and work towards God's goals and His purposes. And to faithfully invest everything that He's given us. That's what it's telling us. In verse 16 to 24, we read literally what the king's response is towards his servants, both groups, the servants who did something with it and the servant who gained nothing. The servant who gained nothing is like, take it away from him. Give it to someone else. He's like, If you do nothing with what I've entrusted to you, I'm going to take it and I'm going to give it to some, someone who will do something for the kingdom. But to the trustworthy ones, this is so beautiful. He's like, you gained 10 minus, guess what? I'm going to point you over 10 cities. He went from 10 minus to 10 cities. The one with five, from five minus to five cities. He raises them to higher responsibility. And this is a principle again that we read about in the Bible in Luke 16 verse 10. Jesus says that whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Because when when you give your children pocket money, You don't go and give them $1,000 and you're like, you're 10 years old, there's $1,000, go wild. No, they will mess it up. They will do horrible things and buy $1,000 worth of sweets and and start rolling out the door. You give them a little bit, you see what they do with it. You teach them principles of saving and principles of tithing and principles of of living responsibly. And then when they are faithful with a little bit, you can add on to that and you can trust them with more. But so often we, want, we, we expect more from God. We're like, God, give me more. Give me more money. Bless me with this. Give me higher responsibility at work. And God is looking at us and he's like, you can't even imagine. You can't, you can't even manage. You can't even lift the purposes that I have for your life faithfully with the little bit I've given you. And no, it's not that you have too little. You have more than enough. When we read the story, this king didn't give them a lot. He just gave them enough of what they were. He, he gave them what they were capable of managing. So when you read the story, don't think about the parable of the talents in Matthew. In Matthew, we read the parable of the talents. Now, talent was a different amount of money. One talent was equal to 20 years of a day laborer's wages. So when he gave the one servant in the book of Matthew, when he gave him five talents, he gave him a hundred years worth of money 100 years of day laborers wages and mina is different that we read about in luke one miner is three months of wages that wasn't that much he was away for a period of time it's like these three months of wages do something with it the king didn't leave his servants with large amount of money he just gave them enough to do something constructed with, constructed with it and the miners represent everything that jesus has given us to further his kingdom vision by the way a vision for his kingdom that's so much bigger than ours a dream for his kingdom that's so much bigger than the biggest dreams we can ever dream he's given us time and talents and treasure and family and a place to worship and places of occupation that we can influence you and i don't need more we just we have enough For what we can answer for. We need to do something with that. You are responsible to use whatever he's given you. No matter how little or how much it is. This is the reality. We go back to the beginning where we talked about seasons, right? We can get so stuck in a season of being called a servant of Jesus. Without living his kingdom purpose. That we never move past that. The king's rejectors didn't care about his vision, they got stuck in that. They didn't care about a kingdom vision, they just cared about their own vision, about their own plans. The in-betweener, he cared just enough about the king's vision to benefit from it. But the true followers cared enough to contribute to the kingdom vision. Don't get so stuck in a place where you are called a servant of Jesus. That you forget being called a servant of Jesus also means that you're a contributor to the kingdom purposes of Jesus. So as we head into this new season, a new season physically, a new season in your school life, a new season in your career life, a new um, season Um, In the life of the church. Let's think about our own spiritual lives for a moment. Let's think about our life as grace church. Let me put it in a different way. Imagine Jesus appears before you right now. And is like I want to know what you've gained. What would you say? When lost. Did you build an intentional friendship with someone far from Jesus? Let me say it again. When lost. Did you build an intentional friendship with someone that's not a follower of Jesus so that you can live out His great commandment of making disciples? His great commission. When last did you share your faith with a colleague? When last did you invite someone to church? When last did you talk about Jesus at a party with your friends? When, Lost, did you actively use your spiritual gifts or even your natural talents for the expansion of his kingdom and his church? When, Lost, did you give generously towards his, his church, towards his, his kingdom vision in this world that needs our finances to grow and to flourish? That list can continue on and on and on. But how have you used whatever God has entrusted to you to grow his kingdom purposes? This is a new season. It's time for a spring clean, guys. Let's move the furniture out of this way, out of the way. Let's reevaluate where we are at and say, how can I be a careful and faithful steward, manager of everything that is entrusted to me? Let's start dreaming and let's start asking how we can grow the investment that Jesus has made in our lives to grow his kingdom in Newmarket and in the York region. Because guys, there's so many people that still need Jesus. There's so many people that still need to be reached. And he has a bigger purpose for Grace Church than we can ever imagine. The question is, how can we contribute to that? So through the parables, we've covered a number of topics and on the 26th, I'm going to end the series, hopefully in person, maybe on video, but we're trusting that it's going to be in person. Pray with us. And I'm going to end this series with a parable that tells us something of the picture that God has for his kingdom and his church here on earth. So join me for that. Um, but let's, let's end this, uh, this message in, in prayer first. Jesus, thank you that you are a gracious God, that you're a fair father, that you don't have unrealistic expectations of us. Thank you for the investment that you have made in our lives, for, for the time, for the talents, for the treasure, for the family, for the occupations, for the opportunities that you have given us, that you've entrusted us with. I pray that you would give us so much wisdom on how we can use everything you've given to us, everything you've entrusted to us, To expand your church and your kingdom in Newmarket, in the York region, in Canada, in North America, in the world. God, I pray that as we are faithful stewards, that you will bless us with more, not for our own purpose. But that you will bless us with more influence in our community. That you will bless us with more influence in our places of work. That you would bless us with more for your benefit. For the benefit of your kingdom. So that your kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. We pray in Jesus name. Amen.